0: Hello and welcome to the Tish. I'm Dina Weiss. When Moshe first sees the burning bush and he turns aside to interact with it, It seems that Moshe is really curious and Moshe is really excited to see what's going to happen next. And then when what happens next happens and God reveals God's self to Moshe and tells him that he is going to be the leader and the redeemer of the people, this brave and curious Moshe turns into an extremely hesitant and reluctant Moshe to put it mildly. God says, go and redeem the people. And Moshe says, Everything up to and almost including, no. And Moshe's hesitancy seems to stem from two primary concerns. He feels that he is totally inadequate to the job. And he thinks that Bnei Yisrael won't listen to him. They'll reject him and they won't believe in him or in his message. But in a deep sense, these are really the same concern. Because Moshe does not believe in himself, he assumes that no one else will believe in him either. They'll think that he's strange, some weird, stammering man, totally unqualified for leadership, speaking on behalf of a god they've either forgotten or maybe have started to resent because they haven't heard from this god in far too long. But the Degelbach and Ephraim revises this picture slightly, but really significantly. He says that Moshe's apprehension about the way that people are going to think about him is actually accurate and really grounded. And it's not about Moshe's inadequacy in and of himself. It's about Moshe's life experience and the way that Moshe's life experience is totally, totally different from the life experience of the people he is coming to talk to and the people he is ultimately hoping to redeem. Moshe grew up in the palace. These people are building palaces. And Moshe understands that when he comes and tries to connect with them, they are going to be at a distance because Moshe really does not understand what they went through. Right? They have been immersed in the darkness of slavery, the darkness of Egypt. They feel like God has abandoned them. Whereas Moshe escaped Egypt, and Moshe has been talking to God directly. The experience of the people is God either doesn't exist or doesn't care, and I'm going to be stuck in Egypt as a slave forever. And Moshe's experience is actually being in Egypt is pretty sweet. And when it stopped being sweet, I left very easily, and immediately I had a very (laughs) meaningful conversation with God. And so when Moshe says that he's concerned that the people aren't going to believe him and aren't going to want to interact with him and follow him, the way that he tries to get to a path for them to listen is that he asks God what he should say when the people ask for God's name. So Moshe imagines that he's going to come and he's going to say, God has sent me. And the people are going to say, God, what God are you talking about? And Moshe's going to need to have a little bit more. He's going to need to have a more specific name, a better way to describe God. According to the Degel Ephraim, when the people, at least in Moshe's imagination, ask him for God's name, it's a specific challenge to Moshe's right to speak for God when Moshe comes and says, I am speaking for God, the people are going to say, okay, great. We know God. Let's try to make sure that we're talking about the same figure. And Moshe is going to describe God as this communicative figure from the burning bush. The people are going to describe God as the figure they call out to in their sorrow. And they are actually not going to be talking about the same kind of God. Their experiences of God are so different that Moshe will not be able to answer them in a way where they will be able to respond, oh, we know that God. We recognize that that God sent you. And Moshe feels inadequate to answer this question on his own. And so he needs God to say, how do the people know you? How can I represent you to them in a way that they will recognize? And so Moshe's concern about coming to save the people is just a recognition of, well, I don't relate to them and they don't relate to me and we don't relate to God in the same way. We need to have a common language. We need to have a common name that's going to serve as a meeting point for me to be able to be close enough to them in order to redeem them. There's a lot of richness in this interpretation, and I'm just going to go through a few things that really stuck out to me. And the first is that Moshe's response really is so humble, and it teaches us to be humble in our approach to helping others. Moshe knows that actually coming to save the people is a really complex process, and it's not going to be so simple for the people psychologically to be told that here is this redeemer coming out of nowhere who is going to save them. The people are actually not going to jump at the opportunity to have Moshe be their savior despite the fact that they are suffering. They're still going to be picky. They're still going to have needs. They're still going to challenge their savior. And Moshe knows that when he approaches them initially, he needs to do so with awareness of where they are and sensitivity to their spiritual condition. The second element that really speaks to me is just Moshe's humility in recognizing that he doesn't understand them, right? It's one thing to say, I need to understand you. It's another thing to say, and I can't. And Moshe comes in with just the full recognition that he just doesn't know. And no matter how many times someone narrates to him what their experience is, he's never going to fully get to the place where he understands them. And so Moshe asks for God's name so that at least he can represent an articulation of somebody who understands what they're going through, even if that person is not him. The Degel Machana Ephraim assumes that both Bnei Yisrael and Moshe have these really rich and complex relationships with God, even though it's possible to read the Torah in a different light, right, and understand that Moshe grew up without God, that Bnei Yisrael grew up with a sense of being abandoned by God, and God is really being introduced here. For the Degel Machana Ephraim, that notion is a little bit too foreign, and he thinks that there is a relationship that each of them are experiencing, but those relationships are very separate and very different. When God supplies God's name and says, eheye, asher, eheye, I will be who I will be, I think there's also a little bit of a recognition that God is saying, my name is, in some sense, I am who I am for this person, and I am somebody else for that other person. And nevertheless, my name is just yeah. That's actually one name, that there's a composite experience of I am for this person and I am for that person and I am for someone else. But what draws those all together is, uh, yeah, I am and I will be. But I think there's also something really beautiful here theologically that when Moshe asks for a name, of God that people are going to recognize, that is not the same God as the God that he recognizes and that he speaks to. One could argue that actually these different names for God are actually different manifestations of God. The God that Moshe knows is not the same God that the people know. And when Moshe comes and says, I'm talking about God, that's not actually a universally intelligible term. Everybody has their own experience and everybody has their own God. And because Moshe and the people don't think about God in the same way, they're not even sure they can be in the same conversation. And so I think there's actually something really beautiful here in understanding that God, in some sense, is the composite of all of our different understandings of who God is. And in some sense, when we speak about God or we talk to God, We need to do so with the awareness that none of us are actually talking about or to the same God, because the God that we are thinking of and the God that we are hoping for is always going to be the God that is connected to our life, is always going to be the God that is connected to our experiences. And God, therefore, is not limited to one definition. God is as vast as all of the many different approaches that people have to him. And finally, I just want to say that I really appreciate the hope in this reading, because Moshe doesn't say, I'm not the right person and walk away. In fact, Moshe says, they're not going to think I'm the right person. Maybe I'm not the right person now. God, can you give me language? Can you teach me something that's going to enable me to have a conversation with them? He knows that the people are going to challenge him. He knows that the challenge is going to be justified. And nevertheless, he doesn't give up. He assumes that despite the many different experiences that we all have of God, there is just one God. There is a oneness, a commonality that we can come back to, and a mutual understanding that we can reach. And in Moshe's humility, there's also a lot of boldness and a lot of bravery and a willingness to say, I'm going to learn. And I am going to speak in a way that will translate to the people, and we are going to do this redemption of the people together. This episode was produced by Sam Greenberg, Effie Unterman, and Jeremy Tabak. Thank you to David Khabinski for recording and editing this episode. Music for the Tish is from Chana Raskin's debut album Raza Capella, produced by Rising Song Records. <laughs>